Hello and welcome to another episode of CISO Tradecraft, the podcast that provides you with the information, knowledge, and wisdom to be a more effective cybersecurity leader. My name is G. Mark Hardy, and today we're going to examine a significant risk to your enterprise that's rarely classified as such, namely the next audit you face and the consequences that follow. So as always, please follow us on LinkedIn and, and make sure you subscribe so you can always get the latest updates. All right, you've had a busy week and a busy year, and now it's getting close to the holidays, so you're ready to relax. As you start planning your next year's activities, you hear the news. Incoming! Your cyber team has just been selected for the next audit. And your heart sinks a little bit as you think, yeah, you'd probably rather have a root canal than repeat the last audit. Are you fully braced for an audit? On today's episode, we're going to talk about what an audit is, how to best prepare for it, and how to respond to audit findings. And hopefully we can change your perspective from dreading your next audit to leveraging audits to possibly even improve your career. So let's start at the beginning. What's, what is an audit and well, why do we need one? Auditing is an independent look at business records to ensure they're accurate and in accordance with applicable standards, laws, regulations, and company policies. At its core, people can make mistakes either wittingly or through negligence, and people may want to lie, cheat, and steal to improve their bonuses or to get away with stuff or cover up mistakes. Auditing is a way to bring transparency to what's really happening. Audits identify gaps in intended outcomes which can cause risk to an organization. So let's start with some basics on how IT audits are performed. The first thing that needs to happen is an audit subject needs to be established. Essentially, the auditors need to determine the business process to be audited. Take, for example, the topic of disaster recovery. When we say disaster, what type of disaster are we talking about? Is this an IT system going down or is it a physical disaster preventing people from entering the building? Is this a preventative type of an issue or a reactive? You know, it's very important we get clear on the terminology used to avoid miscommunications. So subject is what you're going to focus on. Now, let's say we settle on the subject of disaster recovery with a focus on stopping ransomware attacks. We would expect to then see an audit objective defined that identifies vulnerability, threat, and the risk and impact. For example, the vulnerability could be that Acme Corporation employees are uh, exposed to and vulnerable to clicking phishing emails. The threat are bad actors who may send emails with malicious files or links to Acme Corp as a way to initiate a ransomware attack that could harm the confidentiality, integrity, or availability of important and potentially financially significant systems. And the risk and impact could be if PII data were lost from Acme Corp, then there could be significant financial and operational impact. This might arise from the loss in productivity from IT systems not being available, fines and judgments by regulatory organizations, or brand damage to future revenue streams. Remember, we found that previous talk when we talked about ransomware, that it's not just about getting Bitcoin anymore. It's a lot about extortion and potentially exposing your information if you don't pay up. Now, after the audit has created an objective, then we'll typically define an audit scope. This audit scope is going to list goals and objectives. We might see various cybersecurity goals like the following, like goal one of it could be a list of several. Phishing attacks are reported, evaluated, and adequately treated. Now, this goal would 
likely have some specific objectives tied to it, like objective one, confirm an email security system is being used. Objective two, assess if phishing attacks reported to the cybersecurity team are evaluated in a timely manner. Objective three, identify protective actions are being taken when a phishing email is confirmed to be malicious. Now notice how the goals and objectives are different from the vulnerability or the threat that we previously mentioned. Remember, the vulnerability is users might click on phishing emails, the threat are the bad actors. But the goal is to make sure things are reported and evaluated, and the objectives are to confirm emails, assess if the attacks are reported, and observe the actions. See, the things that we focus on with what we expect the IT and the cyber organization to provide, not what we expect them to stop. Now, it's slightly nuanced, but it's very important. Notice that what we're trying to do with the goals and objectives, it's not what you're trying to stop, not a technical thing. It's what do you want this team to be doing? Now, usually these goals and objectives are tied back to specific standards. For example, many organizations in the United States follow the NIST cybersecurity framework. Objectives would be broken down by things like NIST functions, categories, subcategories, and, and tie back to specific standards, perhaps such as COBIT or Center for Internet Security, CIS controls, or specific laws and regulations. Now, it's in your best interest as a cyber executive to get clarity on the scope prior to the official start of the audit. You should ask for the duration of the audit, and maybe you can have a conversation such as the following. As a cyber organization, we want you to know that we're committed to helping internal audit review our program. And we're talking to the auditors here, our head of audit. And as you know, we have finite resources. I would like to ensure we have an assigned team to help prioritize your requests. Can you please provide the audit scope and timeline of the audit so I can carve out the correct resources that you'll need for this duration of time? Now, please note, I want to be very upfront. There's some of, these are some of my most skilled resources. And I'm happy to dedicate my folks for a six-week audit and remediate audit findings after the audit. But I don't have enough resources to be in perpetual audit for nine months. Now, remember, if you can get commitment from audit that an audit is going to take six weeks and roughly cover perhaps five areas, then you can minimize the audit from scope creep or putting you into a permanent audit cycle. Now, this tactic may work well with internal audit, but it's probably not the best approach for dealing with the regulators. All right, let's fast forward a few weeks into the audit. You likely have your internal audit team and their big four accounting firm, perhaps folks asking about your phishing. They ask questions like, how many phishing attacks did you experience last month? How many phishing attacks were reported by employees? What's the click-through rate of employees to phishing emails? Now, each of these questions requires your team to do research. You look in tools like Proofpoint to find the number of blocked emails. You can look at how many times the report phishing button was clicked in Outlook. And you analyze your phishing exercise data. And when you provide this data, you need to document it. For example, use a Windows share folder where each audit request is tracked. Put up in SharePoint or something like that. You create a subfolder containing the original email of what was asked. You also include files containing your responses. Now, what this does is it shows how you have been responsive to each task. Thus, if the audit tries to extend past the original six-week audit time frame, you can say, hey, here's what we agreed to before we went into this. 
your audit organization has asked that we provide them data on six different occasions, that is to say the number of subfolders, and we provided timely responses for the data calls, which you can see evidenced here in the shared folder. Now, I want to help and cooperate with audit, but I'd appreciate if we could please stay within the original scope and timelines that we both agreed to. So you're really not pushing back from a perspective of saying, I don't want to do the job, but rather you're saying, I'm going to hold you to the scope of what we agreed to initially. And again, the initial idea up front was what? We don't have enough resources to go into perpetual audit mode. We can't cough up our best people for weeks and months and years, perhaps. Now, after meeting with the internal audit team for a few weeks, it's time to get a pre-release of the findings. Now, here it's in your best interest to work together with the audit team to identify the findings that you want to fix. Let's say there's a finding that phishing education is ineffective since 25% of users are clicking emails during phishing exercises. Now, we can all agree that this is a risk. However, what is the required goal and objective for the organization? Think back to what was tested. If the objective of the organization are being followed, you might not have to change what's being done. Hmm. For example, audit may want you to lower the 25% effectiveness of phishing scenarios. However, cyber may want to use phishing scenarios that have high click rates to train people how to stop harder to spot phishing emails. Now, if employees know how to stop a FedEx phishing email, it may be a lot easier to stop Nigerian Prince scams. So, Make sure that you don't just sacrifice an effective program simply because it has a high educational factor, but therefore a lot of people get it wrong the first time and thus you get a higher click-through rate. Don't just agree to audit's initial recommendations. It might be better for cyber to propose a remediation plan of more frequent phishing scenarios versus perhaps improving the raw click-through rate. Now remember, the most important thing with audit is to work the audit plan. If you fail to complete the audit plans that you said you would, then your reputation can go down the tubes, maybe even along with your career. So don't promise anything you can't deliver, but what you do promise, make sure you deliver on it. Now, here's another pro tip with your audit findings. Just because an audit says you have a finding rated high doesn't mean it's actually high, high risk, right? Let's say you get a finding that says the IT organization doesn't actually delete former employee accounts within 30 days. Now, you might compare this high audit finding with other findings you have for the pen testing team, third-party risk evaluations, architecture reviews, and threat models. Yeah, not deleting accounts in 30 days is an issue. So is not having effective inventory of IT systems or patching in a timely manner in hardened configurations. So the audit item might even be acknowledged and not worked or even have a further out deadline given the other higher priority risks to the organization. You should also dig into the results of the audit finding as much as possible. Okay, so we didn't remove accounts in 30 days. Well, how many of those accounts were employees who left, employees that were fired, employees who retired? When was fired, what was the worst case scenario for terminating their account? Now, if all fired employees were terminated, the risk might not be as high as you think. However, if you still had open accounts from fired employees, audit's showing you where you've hidden the bodies and it's time to quickly fix the issue. By the way, what I do in my organizations is that when somebody leaves, don't delete the accounts. I disable the logins. And so we basically detach it, but we hold that information. You have to decide what your retention policy is because, for example, if somebody leaves under uh, less than 
favorable circumstances, they may lawyer up and come back in a month or two or five and accuse you of something that's not necessarily true. And you'll have all that evidence available there to defend yourself. The other thing you want to be careful of is you need to have some backstop. I'd also had one of my situations where a client was notified by a lawyer that they wanted to go ahead and subpoena emails from three and a half or four years ago from a summer intern who now is being involved in some legal issue that had nothing to do with this organization. But the lawyer is trying to go ahead and gather up every piece of information possible, came back trying to collect it. So if you've got a solid policy that says, hey, after X amount of months, we delete this old stuff, and you've got an auditable record that shows that's happening, and then at some point in time in the future, some lawyer comes through and says, well, we want that record. And you go, we don't have it. And he goes, your honor, they destroyed evidence. You could then present your policy, your actions, your record of what you've done, the audit records that prove that you've done what you said you've done. And at that point in time, you're pretty much off the hook. The judge is going to tell the other side, sorry, you can't get it because they have a policy and they're following it. And their auditors said that they were following it. So I'm pretty certain that they're okay. So you can be good. So one last nugget of information, don't let a good audit finding go to waste. I mean, let's say your audit finding says your organization is able to do something effectively. Well, you might try repeating that line when asking for an increase of resources. And for example, the cyber organization currently has an expectation to respond to reported phishing emails in 48 hours. And this was identified as a high finding by the audit. Now, to address this audit finding, the cyber department is requesting approval to increase headcount by three contractors. These three contractors will be dedicated to responding to phishing incidents. Now, if this request is approved, we will target a new average response time to down to maybe four hours. Now, here, you and Audit both work together to fix real issues across the organization. Remember, if both Audit and the CISO at an Audit Committee presentation say, Cyber doesn't have the appropriate staffing or the necessary resources, you can often drive high-level visibility to the right issues and get what you need. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed these tips and tricks to work with Audit. Remember, auditing teams are staffed with real people just like yourself, so treat them how they like to be treated. You never know also who might come out of an audit organization and take an important role in your organization. Anyway, thanks again for listening to our episode. We've got one more request for you as a listener. If you learned something interesting from our show, hey, post a LinkedIn message about it and tag our show. We'd love to see what worked and what resonated with you. Again, this is G. Mark Hardy, your host, and as always, stay safe and see you in the next episode.